What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to Nothing But Sports Podcast. This is episode 41. Happy 4th of July to all those people, to everyone listening. I'm going to try and not make this episode too long. Um, I've got three things to talk about. We're going to talk about the Euros, the semifinals coming up. We're going to talk about Wimbledon. And we're going to finish it off with the NBA Finals preview. So let's get started. We're going to jump right into it. So the Euros have hit now. We are reaching the semifinals. Semifinals will start Tuesday. We've got Italy versus Spain and England versus Denmark. Now, with the way that this tournament's really interesting because we don't have we don't have France, no Germany, no Portugal, none of those big guys from the group of death have made it this far. Obviously, Spain beat Switzerland who ended up beating France. Um Italy Italy um Italy's Italy's there as well the dark horses um Spain Spain beat Switzerland, England beat Ukraine yesterday for nothing. So as of right now, I think my kind of pick going forward, maybe to win the whole thing, would be would be England. I think I've got England beating Italy in the finals, just because from what I've seen from England, they're really starting to find their form. Harry Kane is starting to look like Harry Kane from Tottenham. You know, get got the monkey off his back of not being able to score, of not scoring, scored against uh, Ukraine. The depth, Raheem Sterling's been playing very well. He's caught in a lot of slander from England fans and a lot of football fans. In the um in the past, but he's playing really well. Has been scoring left and right. Luke Shaw has been as well been heavily involved. Jack Grealish has created so many chances for England and not that many, you know, in a short period of time. But he's it what he has done as well is brilliant. These guys have been playing extremely well. And this is and also keep in mind that the semis and the finals will have to go through Wembley, so they will be at home. The one game they played on the road or not at home was in the quarterfinals against Ukraine, which they won pretty easily. So they got the, they, the whole rest of the tournament, they have home, uh, home field. It'll be in their backyard in Wembley. And, you know, this tournament's almost destined for them to win, beating Germany finally in the round of 16. Great show, especially after considering how they were bounced in 2016 from the Euros. This is, I think, England's tournament. This is really, it genuinely could be coming home for those England fans. It genuinely could be. Now, I'm not overlooking Spain or Italy because I think Italy would probably give them a very tough test in the final. I think it would go to extra time or penalties or something like that. But I think I'm going to go with England just for now. I know Denmark has been an unbelievable story, you know, and I kind of I want them to win because of what happened with Christian Eriksen and how they've rebounded and how well they've been playing. You know, they're the kind of the neutrals pick and I'm the neutral in this situation. So, um, but I think the run comes to an end against England. I think Italy beats Spain. And we get a Euro final of England versus Italy. And as of now, I'm going to go with England. I might change my pick later. I'll, I think I'll do another episode right before the final where I'll talk about it. But as of now, I'm going to stick with England as my prediction. But again, that is subject change, you know, subject to change later based on um, even if they get that far and based on what I see in the semifinals. But um, I'm, I'm really interested. I'm loving the tournament. I'm really enjoying it. And you know, and again, with the World Cup coming up next year, we're going to see what's going to happen with a lot of teams. It'll be really interesting. But right now, as of now, my pick is England. All right. So speaking of England, and uh, now we're going to transition to tennis where Wimbledon is going on. And <clears throat> so the first week of Wimbledon is officially over. Today is Middle Sunday, a thing they have there. It won't be a thing next year, but thing they have um, at Wimbledon where no one plays on Sunday and then everyone plays there. Round of 16 matches on Monday, so everyone is in action tomorrow. The schedule has come out, and I'm just going to talk about, sort of, do a recap of week one and kind of a look forward to the second week as we get closer and closer to 
to the end of the major. Um, we're gonna start on the uh, we're gonna start on the men's side. It's it's been interesting, you know. We've had a um, especially week one. I'm gonna talk about. Let's start with um, Andy Murray. So Andy Murray said he's contemplating retirement, and you know he was blown off the court in the third round against Shapovalov, but that was kind of expected because Denis Shapovalov is top ten in the world. So even if Andy, you know, was was fully fresh because he wasn't fully fresh after the first two matches, but he if he was fully fresh. It probably still would have been a tough order, and I think it still would have been a straight set loss. I don't think it would have been that bad, but it still would have been a straight set loss. And he's contemplating retirement, and to be completely honest, I'm kind of with him. I mean, I know you love playing, but he is so far from physical peak fitness. You know, a big part of his game when he was in his prime was his ability to run down balls, keep make your opponents miss, feel like they had to go for a lot. But that's just not there anymore after his hip um, you know, after the, the surgery gone wrong with his hip and the operation, you know, he's tried, he's talked about how he's frustrated, but I mean, if he wants to keep playing, I think he can definitely, he can definitely get his ranking back up. This was really encouraging for not playing tennis in a while, but he has to play more consistently because the only way Andy, Andy Murray is going to make a deep run in tournaments is if he gets a very favorable draw. And the only way you get a very favorable draw is if you get your ranking up, you know, he's outside the top hundred. I, I bet he'll get wild cards into every major tournament, but he's got to start playing smaller tournaments. He has to. And I, I don't know if he'll be able to, it, but he has to. He has to get the match experience because he can't just come into these majors with, without playing any tennis because he'll, he, he will lose. He will not make far runs. I mean, third round is pretty good for him, but if he wants to make another deep, deep, I'm talking about quarter, semi, maybe even semifinal run, he has to play a more consistent form of tennis. And in order to do that and keep up, keep up with the big guys, and I don't know if he can do that anymore. But it was really great to see he pulled off a couple mer- moments of magic from Andy, and it was great to see, especially with the crowd there. I'm sure he enjoyed it, but you know, two-time Wimbledon champion. I'm surprised he's going to the Olympics. I didn't think he would be, um, but he is going to the Olympics, so again, that'll help him in, in Tokyo, so that'll get him some experience, and hopefully he gets he'll play a couple... Um, when it, yeah, he'll play the Olympics, and then probably go straight to the US Open. So, he'll get some he'll get some good match experience there. And I think he'll ha- I think we'll see more encouraging signs of him at the US Open, but we will see as far as how long he plays for. Who knows if he's back next year? Maybe the US Open's his last major. If it is, he's had a phenomenal career, you know, brilliant, unbelievable tennis player, former world number 1, three-time major champion. It was just unfortunate because you he was in the era with Novak, Rafa, and Roger. I mean, he was what three he was I think he was 3 and 8 in major finals. And in all the ones he lost, they were either Novak, Rafa, or Roger. Mostly Novak. So it's um it's tough. He probably should have a lot more majors than he does, but I don't know. I really I really don't know. He needs if he wants to keep playing, he needs to have more match experience. And if he wants to call it a career, he can do that. I think he's he's getting to the end. I think even if he comes back, he'll probably be done by next year. I think next year will be his final year on tour. Because he just he just doesn't have it. I think it's time to accept, and that's what you got to appreciate about the other three, Rafa, Roger, Novak, is that they're still at the top of their games. But nevertheless, it was a good run for him. But we will see. We will see what the future holds for him. Next thing I want to talk about on the men's side is Nick Kyrgios. So Nick Kyrgios is a is a very complicated complicated um player to say the least. You know, got a lot of mixed opinions about him. I really do. He's unbelievably talented and. So he uh, he won his first two matches. He beat Umber, a very talent, very good top seeded player in the first round. Followed it up with a serving clinic in the second round. Twenty nine aces in a straight set win. 
Third set, he was, I mean, third round, he was really, was bullying Felix Ogier-Aliassina, top 15 player in the world around the court. And then at 5-2, he calls the trainer for an abdominal injury, and he plays the second set, loses it 6-1. Clearly, he can't serve, and he has to pull out of the tournament with an injury. And it was really sad to see. It was sad to see, um, you know, I, I sympathize with him. It was, it was sad to see his, um, you know, his face after the match, because it really looked like he was finally having fun out there. It really did. You know, the crowd was finally getting behind him. They've embraced him. They know what they're going to get. They're going to get a show from him. He's one of the most entertaining players. Um, he's talked about how much fun he's had this week in this run. And this is a real shame because he really could have made a deep run. I firmly believe that. I firmly believe he would have beaten Felix Ogier-Aliassin. And I think he would have beaten Sasha Zverev in the round of 16. And we would have seen him in a major quarterfinal, and who knows if maybe he even gets to the semifinal and he plays Roger Federer. I really thought there was a chance that he could get extremely far in this tournament. I really thought there was a chance he could get to the semifinals because he was finally showing up for every match. He was playing his hardest in every match, and he has to now retire. And the sad truth of it is, this is what happens when you don't train. I mean, we all know about Nick, for, we all know Nick Kyrgios, if you're a tennis fan, you know Nick Kyrgios does not take training seriously. You know, he's talked about how he doesn't, he doesn't train often. You know, he's said, oh, you know, I've, I've trained hard in the three weeks leading up to Wimbledon. You know, you got to train more than three weeks for a major, especially when you've played a five-setter that, took, um, that, took a, that had to be suspended, so you, had, you didn't get a day off in between the first and second round. You're bound to get injured if you're playing at this high level, but you're not training. He, need, if he, he needs to train more consistently, and I hopefully this is a wake-up call to him to know that you got to train more consistently if you want to if you want to stay healthy. I mean, that, and that's just the thing of it, you know. It doesn't matter how old you are, you know. He's actually no longer even a he's no longer even a young kid anymore. I mean, he made his break in um here at Wimbledon in what 2014 when he beat Rafa. So that was 7 years ago. So he's not even a young you know, he's not even like a young kid anymore. He's okay, he's 26 years old. But that's not young. You know, I mean, that's somewhat young, but that's that's not like a 19, 20 year old. He has to realize that even though he, you know, he look, he seems like he's come from an athletic background, you have to train more consistently. You just have to, there's no ifs and buts about it, especially in a sport like tennis that requires such, such fitness and such mental strength. You need to, you need to train more. Otherwise he's going to keep getting injured. You know, he's dealt with his fair share of injuries. You know, he hasn't played since the Australian open. And so it was good to see him coming back. I mean, think about this. He took he had not played tennis since Australia, the Australian Open, which was in January. And he came back and was bullying a top 15 player in the world who had just come off beating Feder in Halle. He was doing that just ju- without playing tennis for almost since January. He was doing that and was probably going to make a deep run. That's how talented this guy is. But he, you just got to train. You, you just got to train a little more. Even if you train, you don't have to train every day for him. You know, you don't want to train every day, fine. At least train twice or three times consistently a week so that you can you can stay more healthy. It's just, I hate, you know, I hate it because he is, his talent is being wasted because if this was given to someone else, they would have so many more majors. You can see he always turns up when he plays the big guys. And he, you know, he's made improvements in the past. He doesn't tank matches anymore. He, he still has his on-court, you know, he still has his, you know, on-court blow-ups, but that just comes along with it. But he doesn't tank matches anymore. You know, he doesn't, 
He doesn't, you know, yeah, you know, he doesn't do that. He doesn't tank matches. He he gives it his all. You know, it might not look like he's giving it his all, but he does give his give his all. He's embraced who he is as a player, and I think the media and the fans have started to embrace who he is now. And he said he wants to keep. I'll stick around a little longer because of how much fun I had, but. You got to train. I, I know I've said this, I, I've probably said this like a thousand times in the last two minutes, but I can't stress the importance of you have to consistently work at it or you're going to get injured. That's like, you know, that's like someone who is massively, you know, who that, someone who is, you know, this is, it's like someone who is, you know, who doesn't, who eats unhealthy and doesn't work out and stays at home all the time. And he starts to, you know, question why he, why that person would become overweight. Well, it's because you don't, like, it, you get what I'm saying? I'm giving an example. Let's say, let's say someone was to, you know, not work out and eat too much and then start to question, you know, why am I overweight? Well, it's because you don't work out or do anything. So you play a high level of tennis and you're questioning, why am I getting injured? It's because you don't train. It, that's, <laughs> you don't train consistently enough. It's just as simple as that. So it was really gut-wrenching to see, and I hope this gives him a wake-up call to train more consistently. He, I feel like John McEnroe would be, I, know, I don't know if he'd do this, but he'd be a fantastic coach for Nick because he's been saying the exact same thing. But yeah, enough about Nick Kyrgios. Let's talk about now the, the, uh, the, uh, the other big guys on the men's side, Novak Djokovic, Roger Federer. Both guys look pretty good. I've, as a Federer fan, I've been pretty, um, pretty happy with what I've seen. He got a little tough against Cam Norrie. He had a little mental lapse in concentration. Nori put a lot of pressure on him, started to get the crowd behind him, which is Federer's not used to playing against the crowd. But he got through it in the end in four sets. He's played pretty well in the besides the first round. He is starting to get better progressively in every match. And he's playing Sonegro in the round of 16. Sonegro made his big break at Roland Garros when he had the two-set love lead on Novak. Um, Sonegro is not the best grass court player. It'll be a tricky match, but I see him getting through it. And with what I saw from Medvedev against Chilich, I really do think Roger can beat Medvedev. I really do. My one concern is Verev or Berrettini in the semis because Verev is playing unbelievable. Verev is playing a very high level of tennis with the serve. He had a really tough match against Taylor Fritz. He's played very well. Berrettini's obviously red hot after winning, um, you know, had a good run at the French Open you know, made the Madrid final before losing his Verev, actually. Then came back and won the Queen's Club, um, which is a prestigious tournament in a tune-up for Wimbledon. So he's been playing an unbelievable level of tennis. Those are my two big concerns before before we get to Novak. Now, maybe Felix Ujiraliasin can do something and beat Zverev, but it's a real tough task. As for Novak, Novak has a clear path to the final. I mean, he has Andre Rublev in the quarters, but then after that, the next highest guy he can have is maybe, is, I mean, the next highest guy he can have is Batista Agut, who who I think might lose to Shapovalov, so Novak could basically get Kieran Hatchinoff or Denis Shapovalov in a semifinal, which is very, which is not, I wouldn't say it's an easy match, but I mean, you'd, you'd obviously favor Novak there by a decent amount, but we will see, maybe one of them can treat, Novak has not looked you know, as dominant as I thought. You know, he lost the opening set in his opening round. Even against Kudla, struggled in the third set tiebreaker, was able to regroup and win it 9-7. But it hasn't been as smooth sailing as I thought it would be for him. So, we'll, we'll see. It's going to be a really interesting second week. Got a tricky um, Garain, uh round of 16 opponent, Chilean. Very good player himself. So, 
I can't wait for it. I'm also excited to see what Sebastian Corda does. You know, um, only American man left for the round of 16. He'll play Karen Hatchinoff. I don't think he'll win, but we will see. We will see. I'm really excited. It, it's looking good. It's been a good tournament. Now let's, okay, speaking, that's the men's side. Now let's move to the women's side. And I said at the beginning when I did my preview that there was really no point in me picking a, uh, a women's winner just because the women's game is so crazy. Like the, it, it's, and that's what I love about it. It's so wide open. And you can see that here. Sophia Kennan has dropped out. A lot of seeded players have fallen. Svitolina as well. And as we see, the world number one and world number two, however, are still in Ash Barty and Sabalenka. I really didn't think Sabalenka would get this far. She's got a really tough opponent in, in Rybakina. That, that can be a potential upset. Or And then Fiance in the quarters. That'd be tough. But Coco Goff has got a real chance at making a run here, guys. She really does. She's got Angie Kerber. This is not Angie Kerber who won the who won the who won Wimbledon a couple years ago. This is a very winnable match for her. Then you get to the quarters. Would rather be Mukova or Badosa, who made it also a great run at the French Open. Those are winnable matchups for her. And then you get to a semifinal versus Ash Vardy. And would Ash Vardy get there? Uh, Krejcikova has been playing really well as well. Um, you have um, the, the uh, British qualifier in there. So there's a real chance, you know, maybe Vardy gets upset and you see Coco Goff against someone like that in a major semi. And who knows what happens in the bottom half. You know, Madison Keys is still kicking around and I don't think any player ever wants to see Madison Keys, especially on a grass court. Because when she has her game going, it is really hard to stop her. With the serve and that huge forehand, it is very hard. So Madison Keys can definitely tree can definitely go crazy and who knows pulls off an upset of one of Sabalenka or, or um or um or uh Shviantek. Shviantek. I think Shviante right now would be my most consistent form at a win because I don't know if a Coco Goff has definitely got a chance, but I don't know if I pick her to win the whole tournament yet. Yeah, um she's 17. She's still 17, we have to realize that. So it's a real possibility that she does lose to someone she should beat because she's 17 years old and she has so much pressure on her. But she's got a chance. She's got a real chance here. She made the quarters of the French Open. And I think she can really... I, she, I really do think she's got a shot. I don't think she'll win it. I, I, I don't, I'm not going to pick her to win it. Right now, my pick would be Sfiante. But who knows? Maybe we see Coco Goff at 17 years old win Wibbleton. That would be an unbelievable story. But yeah, that's my week one recap. Oh, dropped my phone. That's my week one recap of uh, of, Wimbled- of Wimbledon. So now let's move into the last topic of the day, NBA Finals. So last night, the Milwaukee Bucks wrapped up the Hawks in six games. I didn't think they would do it after Giannis went down. I thought the Hawks had it locked up. Milwaukee so somehow won the next two. I'm not, I mean, well, not really somehow. Uh, their supporting cast really stepped up. Trey Young was not 100% for game six. And now we have an NBA Finals. Of the Phoenix Suns and the Milwaukee Bucks. Wow. This is really, really, really big for both teams. For for Giannis, we'll see if Giannis plays. Giannis is a legacy-defining moment. If he can get that ring, he can shed all the narratives that he's not good in the postseason. Budenholzer can completely shut the narrative down that he doesn't make adjustments and should be fired as the coach. Chris Ball, you finally got the chance to get the ring. You finally got it, man. Your first NBA Finals. You guys are the favorites. You got Devin Booker, DeAndre Ayton. This is your chance, bro. This is your chance. This is the chance you lost out on when you got injured against with, um, with the Rockets. It's your chance. And who am I going to pick? My pick is the Phoenix Suns in six or seven games. I'm going to go seven for dramatic effect. Even if Giannis is healthy for game one. 
I don't know if he'll play game one, but there were reports coming out there was a good chance he could play a game seven versus the Hawks. And the finals don't start till Tuesday, so they got Monday off. So that'll definitely help Giannis with his injury. Um, I don't, but I'm going to, I'm going to speak as if he is playing, but I think the veteran presence of Chris Paul is going to make the big difference in this NBA finals because Chris Paul, the ability to slow everything down, manage, well, not really slow everything down, but know what the Suns need to do. The Suns need to get out in transition, get out quickly. Don't let the Milwaukee Bucks get set in the half court defense because they're a very good defensive team. And they'll probably they'll probably go big on the on the, we'll we'll see what lineup they put out there. But if Giannis plays, they're probably gonna go with a big lineup. So they're gonna they're gonna they're gonna keep trying keep Aiton off the boards as much as they can with their big lineup. But for the so for the for the for the Suns, they gotta get out in transition, and you gotta you gotta make sure the Milwaukee Bucks don't get their half court defense set up. But I think Chris Paul's veteran presence. You know, normally I wouldn't pick a team like that because when the games get close, you know, they start to slow down. But I think that's where Chris Paul comes in so much. That's where his effect is. That's where his effect is really unbelievable. His ability to slow down the game and just pick out the smart plays. I think that's going to what he did in game six was unbelievable. I think that's going to propel them over the top. And think about it. The, the, the Suns, they also have Jay Crowder. Now, I know Jay Crowder's not a, you know, he's a role player, but he's got some experience. He went to the NBA Finals last year with the Miami Heat. So he knows what it's like to play in a Finals game. Now, any, on the Milwaukee Bucks, you never had that. Giannis has never played in the Finals. Neither is Middleton. Neither is Holiday. Um, neither, you know, guys like Pat Connington haven't. Forbes hasn't. It, it's... It you know Drew, um, I'm definitely forgetting people. Brooke Lopez I don't think he's played in an NBA Finals. It's a real. It's going to be really interesting. And this is not Atlanta. This is not Atlanta. The Phoenix Suns are a big step up from the Hawks. So we will. So um, I'm going to go with the Phoenix Suns to win the series in seven games. Even if Giannis plays, I want to see Giannis play because I want to see both both teams healthy. And I think Chris Paul finally gets that ring. And if Chris. And a lot of people have been talking about what Chris Paul's legacy is if he gets the ring. I mean, he's solidified one of the, I don't know if he's top five, but he's then one of the greatest point guards. He's he's one of the greatest point guards of all time. He's I, I, mean, I definitely put him top ten as one of the greatest point guards. I don't know about top five. Maybe even you can put him in. Maybe you can put him in top five. Not number one. Not the best point guard of all time. But that's all he needs. You know, he's done everything. I, he doesn't have a league MVP actually, but it's hard to win with all the guys you have in the league, especially with LeBron and stuff. But that's all he needs, really. I mean, this would be it for him. Getting the championship would be would be the last thing. It would cement his legacy, the final stone in place for him. And to do it with the Phoenix Suns in his first year, after being a part of so many heartbreaks in Houston with the Clippers, you know, it, it, with the Rockets, as you know, well, I already said Houston, but even with the Thunder where it was, you know, he, he had a good run, but they just didn't have enough talent. And also his change, because he, remember, he used to be a little, you know, a little, had a little stomach, he used to be a little overweight, but he has changed his body, he's changed his diet to keep himself healthy, and that's, that's what, that's why he's still playing, and that's why people thought after the Houston years that he was washed up, because he didn't keep his body in shape, well now he's done that, he has changed his diet completely, he's gone completely vegan, and that's why we're seeing unbelievable results in his health. So, yeah, the, and also the Suns do have extra time. Do have extra, extra, a little extra time off than the than the Milwaukee Bucks. They've had more time off. That's also another thing. Keep in mind, Milwaukee's got to, had to play a lot of tough series to get here. I mean, they swept Miami, yes, 
but they had that this tough series against Atlanta. They had the seven-game series against the Nets. Meanwhile, the Suns, even though they had a tough series against the Lakers, but then they swept the Denver Nuggets, and then they had a relatively tough series against the Phoenix against the um, uh, Clippers. So I think the Suns' extra rest is really going to help them, and that's why I'm going to pick them to win because of Chris Paul and the rest. And I think Chris Paul does get the Finals MVP. Um, Devin Booker is also going to do his thing, but I'm really excited for it. Game one is Tuesday at nine o'clock, and my final pick once again is the Phoenix Suns in seven games. So that is going to do it for this episode of the podcast. Thank you guys so much for listening. And I will record again next week. Uh, Hopefully you guys listen to that one too. And have a good 4th of July.